This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Italian bishops made the announcement this week that many of us have been waiting for. The changes to the Our Father that caused a storm of controversy this past summer have been approved and will be implemented in the coming weeks. To be clear, these changes are said to be limited to Italy, as the changes are from the pre-existing vernacular translation of the Our Father in Italy to a new Italian translation. But as you probably know already, if things get changed in one diocese or country, you can expect those changes to slowly make their way throughout the entire Latin Rite. But let's take a look at this change, and, uh, and we'll see what this is all about, because it's very likely to be coming to a diocese near you. The changes to the Our Father concerns the Sixth Petition. This is the famous controversy over the Lead Us Not Into Temptation petition in the prayer Our Lord presented to the Apostles as our guide to prayer. The story comes from Il Faro which reports the story in Italy. The following quote comes from the rough electronic translation of the article, so bear with me on this. Quote, Times change and language evolves too. And after a few years of reflection, the Italian Episcopal Conference officially changes one of the best-known prayers, a change that will be implemented shortly. Two and a half months for its official approval, ten months for its introduction into Mass. These are the times for the new Italian version of the prayer, most universally recited by Christians around the world, the Our Father, a prayer that the CEI, also at the solicitation of Francis and various catechesis, has decided to change at the point where the faithful so far invoke God to not lead us into temptation, for a more correct, do not abandon ourselves to temptation, which prevailed over the other two hypotheses, do not leave us in temptation and do not abandon us in temptation. The announcement was made by Archbishop Bruno Forte, a Vatican theologian who in 2014 rocked the Catholic world with the announcement that the Church needed to re-examine its relationship with unmarried, cohabiting couples by considering offering them access to the sacraments without demanding their repentance and ceasing their sins. Forte is the Archbishop of Chiete and Vasto, but his personal history of being at the center of making controversial changes to the traditions of the Church should earn him the nickname the Archbishop of Change. To give you an idea of what we're talking about here, in 2014 the National Catholic Register gave us this profile of Archbishop Forte's work. After calling him a potentially Papa Bill candidate, meaning potential Pope, for a future conclave, they tell us this about his work. Quote, in the 1980s and 1990s, Forte built a reputation as one of Italy's leading theologians. In 2000, he oversaw the preparation of the Vatican document, Memory and Reconciliation, The Church and the Faults of the Past, which led to the famous liturgy in St. Peter's Basilica, in which St. John Paul II asked God's forgiveness for 2,000 years of sins committed in the Church's name. The text, which called for the purification of memory, 
was criticized by some senior of church figures who felt it implied the church itself was flawed. End quote. This was the famous mass where the church embraced the criticisms of the secularist enemies of the church and begged forgiveness on their terms for some historically controversial points in church history. Forte also opposed Benedict XVI's landmark document, Summorum Pontificum, which made the traditional Latin mass widely available, and was also close to Francis's biggest ally in the hierarchy, Cardinal Maria Martini, also known as the head of the St. Gallen Mafia, until his death just before the election of Francis. So I would put him in the category of, as a possible late-joining member of the St. Gallen group. So that's who announced it was likely behind the changes to the Paternoster, at the request or as the life, as the LifeSite article on this suggests, possibly at the insistence of Francis. Forte says on this, quote, The missile with the new version of the Our Father will be released immediately after Easter, which this year is going to be celebrated on April 12th, and the changes will go forward as part of the regular routine of the Novus Ordo Missae starting in Advent. Of course, this is purportedly only for Italy, done under Francis's title of the Archbishop of Rome, but as I've long attested, major historic changes made in one diocese that are usually done as a request to the Vatican often find their way as a normal practice around the world and other places. The classic examples of this are the introduction of communion in the hand, girl altar boys, and the like. This may be a similar sort of change, but time will tell. Last summer, when the change was announced, Monsignor Pope published a public rejection of this change. Since I'm not a theologian, I'll refer to the contemporary theologian's reasonings for rejecting the changes to the Our Father. Monsignor Pope writes that in changing the Italian version, there will be pressures to change the English version as well. Then he says, quote, Most fundamentally, there is a notion expressed by the Pope himself and others that God does not lead us into temptation. The Pope said a father does not do that, but this is simply not true and is contrary to Scripture. Scripture states plainly, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. See Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And thus we see that it is part of the providence of God that his Son and all who are members of Jesus' body experience temptations and trials of various sorts. God leads us forth in life to experience and overcome these things by his grace. So the purpose of these trials and temptations for us is that we grow by facing down opposition, error, and sin, and by exhibiting obedience to the commandments of God. This becomes clearer when we understand that the Greek word often translated as tempted is periosmos, which can refer either to being tempted or to being tested. And of course, life is filled with many tests. By them, we learn to master the challenges and vicissitudes of life. Good fathers and mothers routinely expose their children to challenges, even moderate dangers, so that they can grow and learn to live in a world filled with temptations and lights contrary to the gospel. End quote. There you have it. I'll rely on the priest theologian to make my point. Now, Monsignor Pope isn't reputed to be one of those rabid traditionalists who operates at the fringes of the church. For several years, he served in Rome and frequently made flights from Rome to the U.S. for his normal clerical diocesan duties. He is at best part of the conservative wing of the mainstream church. He's not a priest relegated to internet sermons and public appearances on tiny YouTube shows and the like. He's part of the establishment. His critique is correct, too. Any parent can tell you that what he says is true here, and it is true for God the Father as well. So why the changes? The spirit of change is the dominating force in the church today. We see it everywhere and at all times. 
By now it's obvious, for those of you who've been paying attention for a while, that the spirit of change hasn't been limited to the present pontificate, but has gone back decades in the church. If only now, under Francis, it has taken on a whole new life, almost as if the forces of change realize that they have limited time to make the changes they want before their opportunity will disappear forever. The LifeSite article on this reports that lay theologians from across the Christian divides of Protestantism, Orthodoxy, and Catholicism all greeted the change with amused skepticism, as the Our Father, as it stands, is a literal translation of the Greek and is accurate and faithful to what was given to the apostles by, the, by God himself. So then, why the change? Because what does this change fundamentally actually do? It subtly changes our relationship between the Father and the believer. That is what it does. Remember Francis' statements about the God of surprises? Keep those in mind when you think about the changes to the Our Father. And keep in mind the emphasis of the mercy of God over his justice, and you'll then have a better idea of what is going on here. This change is as much an ideological one as it is a weird theological one. Finally, my only other thought on this is that this is just another reason why those of us who attend the Latin Mass exclusively usually feel pretty vindicated about that choice. The Paternoster, as it is often called in Latin, isn't going to change. And while the Latin presents difficulties for the layperson not familiar with the Latin, that can be a stumbling block to praying the Pater Noster at home. In the Mass, at least, this isn't an issue. The 1962 Missal is the 1962 Missal, and that translation is pretty secure, short of some real shenanigans being pulled by Rome. Which, let's be real, if they wanted to change anything about the traditional Latin Mass, they'd, have, they'd go after some more on Pontificum, not parts of that liturgy itself, at least probably. But let me know your thoughts on this below, and if you want a better idea of what the spirit of change is, and where it comes from, tune in on Saturday. A viewer suggested a Vatican document that is very timely. Given this change and the tug of war between Francis and the likes of Burke and Schneider, we've been witnessing since the dubia. I have a historically important document that you've heard referenced in many talks on many, chan on many channels that cover this sort of material, so stay tuned for that. Anyway, thanks for listening and for your support. It is appreciated. Keep praying for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.